Welcome to the Worship Leader Essentials podcast, brought to you by Worship Catalyst. Worship Catalyst is a nonprofit ministry built to help people find and worship Jesus by mentoring and training worship leaders and their teams. This podcast is part of that mission. In the next few minutes, it is our goal to help you do more with less. For more information and resources or to connect with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast. Austin Ryan here, uh, helping you do more with less. Um, sitting here with the Dream Team today, Mike Michalski and Garrett Garner, and we've got a conversation that um, we were just talking to a pastor about it uh, right before we came in to record this, and that pastor was like, oh, I got to listen to that. Because the question is that we want to answer today is, should you or should you not pay technologists in your church? A sound engineer, other tech people, a media director, any of those things. And we're going to get into that. Now, we're going to answer three questions. One of them is, is this a spiritual, tactical, or philosophical conversation? Okay. Second question is, would you con- uh, what are some reasons that you would consider paying? And then the third one is, what are some reasons you would not consider paying? And um, we're not going to hit them all, but we're going to see how this goes. I've got three, th- three types of churches, though, I want to kind of set this up with, because you, know, you need to self-identify where you are in this. And the first one is, there's this mini minority of churches, maybe two or three percent or something in America, anyway, where you have full-time media director type staff that that run your sound in the church. Okay, that's very few churches um, nationally. The second type of churches is is where you contract or pay weekly for specific things, like a sound tech or an overall media director or whatever, and it's. Not a staff position necessarily, and it's certainly not full time. But you give a hundred bucks a week, three hundred bucks a week, whatever it might be for that. And then the third category is um, churches that don't pay anything for that role, and they do that either because of a financial reason or because of a philosophical reason as to why they don't do it. And so we want to dive into it, and you know, maybe you've wondered. I mean, should we be paying our sound tech? Should we? Um, should we consider, we don't have one, should we consider going and like literally going and hiring and finding someone part-time to run our sound on Sundays and things like that? So we're going to dive into it. So um, here we go. How's it going, Mike? Hey, good. How's it going, Garrett? That's great. All right, cool. Garrett, by the way, is wearing a um, Bro Tank Baywatch shirt today. Yeah, so I think very stylish. The yeah, windows are back. I wish this was a video podcast today, That's so right. we can get a better look at that. We could have had him simulate the David Hasselhoff run. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have my Worship Catalyst pod, uh, tank top, so... Have you got the it. sleeves off your Worship Catalyst shirt yet? Because Not yet. All right. All right, here we go. So first question, is, there, is this conversation that we're having, is it spiritual? Is it tactical? Is it philosophical? Like, What do you guys think about that? I think it is fundamentally philosophical. I think it has spiritual implications, but I think it's more philosophical than it is spiritual or tactical. Yeah, I would tend to agree. You know, most churches in the United States are less than 100 people. Right. The median, more than half the church size is like 70 people, right. 65 people. I mean, we're talking a country of three or 400,000 tiny churches, okay? Yep. I say tiny, but whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, it feels like in a lot of those churches, that's a practical, tactical conversation. And that is, we don't have money to pay our pastor. We certainly don't have money to pay somebody to run sound. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting you said that because 
I, I had a, a way of thinking of it before we started the podcast, and I still stand by it's philosophical, that ha- would, but I would say philosophical with the tactical implication. Mm-hmm. So take what you just said. Okay, so if that's the case, the next philosophical question that would dictate that answer is, what is my vision and mission for the church? If that small church of 75 to 100 people, it's their vision and mission to say very, be very multimedia intensive and very immersive in their, in their services, mm-hmm. that could drive a tactical response to need to pay for someone where another church five miles down the road, another 7,500 people would never even consider paying someone because their technology need doesn't even come near that. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's dive into this qu- next question because I think what you're saying is going to be... What you're saying answers w- one or both of these next two questions, maybe both. But why? what are some reasons that you would consider paying? So you're out there, you're a church... You're a pastor or a um, staff member of a church or an elder or whatever, and it's like, what would cause me to actually go through the process? What are some reasons? I think for me, the biggest one is going to be if you are starting to put responsibilities outside of the calling of one of your other staff members, that's a problem. So So describe that specifically. You know, I saw a lot of churches during COVID that stuck student pastors with the uh, learning how to stream and broadcast and run sound and that is not an uncommon thing. Mm-hmm. But if you start thinking about that, and I know, you know, COVID, everybody's at home, may not be a lot of students coming, but what was the long-term loss effect of saying, okay, but that's that's no longer a student pastor. He He's doing this during our main time of being in church. Whether there were students there or not, you've now reassigned him. So from a... So, it limits their primary job, is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so you were, yep, for years, mm-hmm. worship pastor slash media director, pastor, yep. whatever. So did it limit you on one side or the other? Because oh, absolutely. Had... And for me, I didn't have kids, so I you know just burned the candle on both ends all the time. Hmm. But uh, that is and will have long-term impacted me and my wife's relationship. Um, And she's very much the same way. We were doing everything that we needed to to help the church all the time, which was not necessarily healthy either. But, yeah, I can tell you, and I've been through Worship Leader Essentials twice, uh, (laughs) that I was not the best worship pastor, and I was not the best production guy, Mm -hmm. and I was working outside my calling all the time on every side of the spectrum. Okay, got it. Now, there's a couple of things, though, that you hit on, and one that I was thinking of while you two were talking is, so one area, why would I, if if as an elder of a church, if somebody, if we're where this conversation would happen would be the, the responsibilities of the role are too much. Mm. I have to divide the role. Yep. Another one was one of... I would, if somebody started out in the lay position or a ministerial position, the minute I have a view of, I want them to lead other people. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I want them to be in a leadership role. I yep. want them to be in a leadership, and I'm going to have the expectation of holding them responsible and mm. accountable in that leadership role. Sure. Then there needs to be some compensation there, mm. most likely. Not only the expectation of leadership, but how about the expectation also of other events outside of Sunday? Morning? Oh yeah, the minute I start sitting there, the minute I start sitting there, going, "Okay, I expect this individual to be," we we get first right of refusal on their time for funerals for sure. uh, all these other events our church hosts. Uh, Things like that. When I start having an expectation of a demand on their time, that time is their most precious, their most precious commodity. So, is it legit to um, for somebody that's never paid a sound tech before, and let's say they're even starting a new church and they don't really have anybody in their church that knows how to do that? Is it a legitimate thing to go outside of the church and go try to just go on the open market and find a sound tech? I mean, would you do that, Garrett? You know, um, I don't know that I would go on the open market. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many networks, uh, specifically church production people. I would tend to start there. And those are, I mean, widely found on Facebook. Um, you can go on there and find guys that may not be serving in a church, mm-hmm. uh, but they, you know, they work part-time at the theater down the street or something, or they're a recording studio student or something like that. Okay, so depending on what city you're in or whatever, go yep. find maybe a network of, of Christian yeah. people who might be willing to do that. And so, But the one caveat I'd put to that is if you go down that road, from the word go, establish an idea in your mind with absolute clarity that I am doing this to solve a tactical need yeah. and that I am not enshrining the position is paid. Uh, okay, because that's a good word. while I am, uh, because as I go then to build that ministry arts team, mm-hmm. okay, if I've enshrined the idea that the technical artists are paid, now when I go get the lighting person, I'm on a slippery slope. Right, sure. Whereas if I've said I am contracting for this, right now I'm not laying any claim that this individual is or is not part of what will ultimately be my technical arts. Right. Yep. So you might even, when you draft that, because I'm I'm thinking not only the light guy comes along or the media person, but I mean, or the next sound person Mm -hmm. who actually is in the church now because the church has grown. Mm-hmm. We're not paying the position. We're paying this one person for a season. So I would even think, from what you're saying, you might want to put an end date on it. I would absolutely. I would this treat is a six it month contract. I would treat it contract. as a. I would treat them as a contract. A contractor worker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's sure. a good word. All right. So um, expectations during the week and expectations of leadership. You might want to pay for that. You might want to pay if there's um, where it's if it, if that role of media or tech is limiting somebody else on your staffs because you're just kind of like piling it on and it's not really their wheelhouse. Or if you're a long way away from having anyone available in your church to do it and it's like hiring mm. a plumber. Yeah. Yeah. You would just I need I don't have anybody that knows how to fix my plumbing and so I'm gonna hire a plumber. And you do it like Mike says on contract. That's a good word. And same thing with that. Um when you hire a plumber, you understand and know that you're also not just paying for their time there, but you're also paying for their skill set, their experience and wisdom. Right. And 
unless you just find Joe Schmo on the street, you are doing the same thing with that tech that you hire. Okay. So you get what, yeah. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. In very, maybe every way. <laughs> maybe that's just the reality. <laughs> That's a really good point well, because I've had it, some. We say that, but then you look at those rare unicorn moments where you get that person in your church. Okay, but let's. That's not answering the. That's answering the wrong question. Okay. So we're still trying to answer the question: Why would you consider paying? Yeah, yeah that would be why would you? Yeah, all okay. of those things we just talked about right. are reasons for you to at least entertain the. Yeah. Doing it. Okay, let's shift gears then, because you wanted to dive into it. Oh, I didn't want to dive into. Why it, would you not because... consider paying? <laughs> oh right. well, okay. I uh, the why you would not would be you happen to be blessed in your church with somebody who that is their area of passionate ministry, mm-hmm. and they they aren't looking for you to pay them. This is part of how they give their offerings of their talents back. To the Lord. Right. That's the reason why you wouldn't do it, is because now what you're doing is you're introducing a friction that doesn't need to be there. So just some, for some context on this, so like, Mike, I don't believe that you've ever been paid a penny for any tech you've ever done in a church in your life, right? No. I have At not. least not since I've known you. And um, the just for some context to this, Mike and I have served in multiple churches together, but the biggest one... We were at one point about 1,600 people maybe on a weekend. Right around. And I was paid full-time as the worship pastor, and you were paid zero dollars. That's the technical. And the reason is because you really didn't want to have that as your primary job. No. Or even a secondary job. Like, you wanted to serve Jesus with that gift. That was a gift, a set of talents that God had given me, mm-hmm. and if we look at it from a scriptural point of view, what am I obligated to do? Mm-hmm. I'm obligated to put those talents back onto the altar yeah, for them to be used by him in however way he needs them to further the kingdom. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was my way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, if I needed it to be my career, then... Now we would have a different conversation in some cases. Well, see, in this in this gig economy, you know, that we're in right now, I know that there's plenty of musicians that pick up uh, guitar playing gigs at large churches yep. to get a couple hundred bucks a week or whatever it is right. to feed their family or to pay their mortgage yep. and stuff. And I have zero problem with that if that's the strategy of the church and all that kind right. of stuff. But what Mike is saying is there's a and the same thing with tech. What Mike is saying is he just had this. This thing between him and Jesus, where he's like, mm-hmm. "Look, you gave me this thing, and I'm going to give it back to you right. for free," which some churches have that, and that's amazing, and that's a great reason to not pay that person because that's not what they want. Right. What What else? Why else would you not consider paying? What are some other circumstances? Mm. I, I would like to add to that that neither yeah. side of that is right or wrong, though. Agreed. And 100%. I think Mike's saying that too. Yeah, is we that, are. Um, that may be that person may be in that position and feel that they can do that, and mm-hmm. that's totally fine. On the other side of that, uh, right after Mike left to help go plan a church, they had to hire the next guy to replace him, and he became part-time or full-time, and then I came along 10 years later. So there's both sides of that 
Yeah. Or right. And they're both okay, right. Yeah. That's what makes this conversation so hard. You can't, it's, there's not a right or wrong. Yeah, the other there's a lot thing, of nuance to if, it. If, yeah. I, if it's a pastor listening to this, I would say be very careful if you can see the friction coming. Yeah. Look, look for the rule of unintended consequence. Mm. If you go say, I'm going to pay the sound engineer, I'm going to do that. Okay, now you have an, a volunteer who is equal to, in terms of the load being put on them, who's running your early building children's ministry. Well, you felt it was necessary to pay the sound guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not. You see, you've now created a friction. And you've created a ministerial... A ministerial uh, battle zone potentially depending on how it gets handled no doubt about that yeah so that's that would be another key reason where okay i may not get the best of the best i may have to make a sacrifice here but it's not worth it's not worth the i because i can't do it in a way that would not cause those other frictions and relationship issues you know i've had that problem a long time ago it's been a long time because the churches that we've been a part of we just made a decision not to pay uh, musicians, okay, um, and but the very first church where I worked, the there was a a keyboard player, two keyboard players that came as a package deal family, mm-hmm. and they really thought they needed to get paid, like in a really big way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And we had multiple people that sang and multiple people that did all kinds of stuff all over the church, and man, they made like. These impassioned pleas that we, you know, we have talent, we have gifting. This is the blah blah blah. We're gonna we we should we need to get paid. Please put it in the budget. And um, you know, my 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 years later on that, I didn't know what how to handle. I was young. I was like <laughs> twenty five years twenty five years old. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> but the years later, as I kind of processed that, I think, um, I think that that couple who are amazingly talented. Probably instead of trying to change the culture of the of that church single handedly, they probably should have found a place where they could have gotten paid, and I wouldn't have had a problem with that. And it really wasn't at the end of the day my decision. So, like it was a it was an entrenched decision not to pay that that position, you know. But I think that it's okay. It's just a matter of, um, you know, is that. Is this what God wants? Do, am I supposed to get paid doing something that I'm good at? And if so, I need to go find a place where I'm actually going to get paid, rather than just trying to force my way into getting paid. Yeah, you won't you know? force. You won't force that kind of culture change. Yeah, not easily. Yeah, and so I agree with you. In, and I understand the the argument they put forward, but again, it came back to the church had looked across what was their vision, mission, and values, and what were those things that were of the Mm -hmm. utmost importance to Mm -hmm. them. And they had determined that in their ministry levels, at this level, they weren't going to pay for it, pay anybody, so do not create the exception to the rule with these individuals. Mm -hmm. Right. So why would you not consider paying? I hear you guys saying, uh, in case there's a great non-paid person who really loves doing it and feels like it's their ministry... Um, what about complexity, Garrett? Hmm. Um, because 
um, some churches might have a strategy of rock and roll day one complexity, sure. and other churches are going to kind of grow slow and start small. And yeah, um, I think that's exactly you know you're like what we were saying a second ago. You're paying if you're paying. You're paying someone for their skills, knowledge, wisdom, um, things they've learned over time. If if you're out there and, you know, you're central church in Las Vegas or Elevation or something, that, that's going to be a paid position because you're talking about someone that has to have such a high-skilled knowledge mm-hmm. and time to be able to implement that knowledge right. to run the complexity of those things. Um, at my last church where I was worship pastor and, uh, production at the same time, I would spend probably close to 90 to 95% during the week just doing production maintenance of systems, um, helping out other ministries, whatever it came up with that week. And that was always in flux. That may not have always been the way, but you know, VBS rolls around and everything's got to change just because children's team needs a speaker out in the yard. Like that's a huge deal. And not that that's a hard task, but when you take that and you put it on top of everything else, that becomes a huge deal. On the other side of that, you might be a brand new church plant who's going to set up in the park and all you need is one acoustic guitar and maybe just one speaker, if even that much. And there's no reason that if that's not in someone's capacity uh, to pay for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about that. I wonder if one way to look at that would be for, because maybe maybe a church would have a Sunday, normal Sunday flow where they don't pay somebody, but maybe they build into their VBS budget, into their yeah. whatever events budgets they do. You know, maybe they have a, an oh, Easter yeah. thing or whatever, build in a technology budget into that so you can pay somebody something sure. to be in charge of getting the wires run outdoors or the or the lights plugged in for the for the Halloween thing or whatever it might be. Yeah, but you, you know? see in that case though, and that's a very important designation because and we and I'm glad we you said it because in that case though what you're doing is you're not paying the ministry position, you're contracting a worker for something above and beyond. Yeah. what their normal realm is. Mhm. And that, I think, is completely in bounds. I may not pay this, anybody in that sound lighting technical position week to week, but it's in my best interest to say, go to them and say, hey, would you be available the week of EBS? Because mm-hmm. you already know the system. You can handle all this stuff. And look, we'll pay you for the week to do it. Now I'm contracting them for a specific service. Right. Sure. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. All right. Well, I think this has been a good conversation. It seems like to me, as I listen to you guys talk, I, I really appreciate all your thoughts. It is a philosophical thing that everybody, every church needs to kind of think through and process through. And it, I hear what you guys saying a few things. One of them is the more complex, the more you might consider paying. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, the sh- we didn't really talk about this, but I kind of heard it between the lines. If the strategy of your church is Sunday morning driven, it seems like paying media is probably more likely 
than if you have other like small group strategy as primary or discipleship sure. as primary or whatever it might be. Because you've probably got full band and you've probably got lights and you've probably got this cameras and this, that, and the other. And now and you're so back to complexity. Back to complexity. So the more complex, the more you consider paying. And um, and then if you don't already have people who want to give that as their ministry, you might consider paying. Because I may not have a choice, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's good. I think we basically did not uh, answer the question for anybody whether you should pay or not, which is perfect, <laughs> because it's not an easy yes or no. So thank you guys for being a part of the podcast today, as always. If you have questions, you can send them to Mike at worshipcatalyst.com. He loves talking to tech people. Um, Garrett doesn't have a Worship Catalyst email address, or I would say that his email address. What is your email address? Uh, you can hit me up at garrettgarner at me.com. G-A-R-R-E-T-T, Garner. We'll put it in the show notes. Garrettgarner yep. at me.com. Um, so thanks, guys. Absolutely. Uh, be sure and check out worshipcatalyst.com. We have um, other resources on there that you can get to. We uh, subscribe to our Instagram channel where we have 60 Seconds on Worship that comes out every week for a little bit of drip, drip, drip of theology training for you, as well as some other courses and things you can take online at worshipcatalyst.com. So anyway, God bless you all. God bless you too. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Worship Leader Essentials podcast. We'll be back soon with another helpful episode. For more information and resources, or to connect with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com.